0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDETM. Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. All throughout American history, it was up to journalists to decide what information was worthy of publishing to the masses. But recently, of course, information has become much more readily available online and on social media. And it has become much harder than to figure out what's reliable, what's true, and what's just opinion. What's really authentic news and what is fake news the last presidential election brought a flurry of so-called news stories that were simply made up to generate clicks and with it that term fake news became ubiquitous facebook and now google are both under a lot of pressure and say they are going to try to filter out Fake news from their platforms. I'm not sure how that would even work. But how much responsibility do we have to do our own filtering? And is it too late to put the lid on the mass spread of disinformation? I think this is a really important question, not just in a media context, but in a cultural one. And certainly in an institutional context. One, think of the institutions that we cherish here in this country, uh, democracy, uh, freedom of the press, the free exchange of information. I think they all rely on a certain amount of fidelity to the idea of fact, of the idea of truth. And if we destroy those ideas... Are we destroying those institutions? We're going to spend the rest of the time today talking about that subject. Uh, And we definitely want to hear from the listeners on this. Call us and talk about the idea of fake news. How do you make sure that the things that you're reading or sharing, even uh, more importantly, on Facebook or on Twitter, are actually news, are actually things that are true, that actually happened? How do you teach your kids to do the same thing think about uh, the the ease with which so many kids uh, engage with social media and and searching on Google and things like that how do you tell them how to filter out all of the things that are junk or just untrues uh, give us a call and and talk about that also talk about what you think of the president's attempt to label almost anything that he disagrees with as fake news, which is sort of another turn in the story about uh, the truth and authenticity and, and fake information. Uh, is, is that a reasonable way for him to be behaving? And how do you sort of protect against that? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today work your comments into the conversation joining me now to discuss this issue is lee wilkins she is the professor and chair of the department of communications at wayne state university lee welcome back to detroit today thank you Stephen. always good to have you here Uh, also joining us is erica hobbs uh, and she is the news literacy project communications director and program manager in chicago erica welcome to detroit today thank you yes uh lee i'm going to start with you Uh, let's talk about this idea of fake news certainly not new in the history of journalism in the history of media but but there are some new features and dynamics to what we're dealing with now namely the control that consumers themselves have not just over what they consume but what they can themselves disseminate the spread of this fake news makes it a little different than what we've seen before.
1: It makes it a little different. I'm not sure, ultimately, if that matters a whole lot. Um, We've always had fake news 150 years ago. We called it hoaxes.
0: right? (laughs) Uh, And
1: the difference between a hoax and fake news, as I've been able to figure it out, I am not 150 years old, students, is that that when it was a hoax, everybody was kind of in on the joke. Fake news were not in on the joke. And, and and that's in part because it looks very much like news in a lot of ways. It's generated in interesting ways, some of it entirely through what you might call artificial intelligence or through bots. Uh-huh. Um, and some of it is passed on by people that we like to think are our friends and even our family members.
0: Yeah. And and so how do we how do we defend against this? I mean, does that look differently than it did when we were dealing with hoaxes? Uh, does it look differently because so much of uh, the media we consume uh, is instant and, and can be spread instantly? I mean, I can see something on Facebook, uh, believe that it's true and reach thousands of uh, people who, who follow me on Facebook and share that lie with them, and then they're sharing it uh, instantly. I mean, what, what's the what's the, the antidote to all of that?
1: <laughs> I think there are multiple antidotes to all of it. Certainly the first one is the one that we're all taught when we're journalists, is if your mother says she loves you, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> Just because you see something on Facebook, even if it's from a source who that you trust, Um, That doesn't mean that you don't go to other places and find out whether or not that same thing is being repeated in the same way. I think that it's appropriate for us as citizens to put pressure on organizations like Facebook and Google to do more than at least the news reporting of this morning indicated to me that they're willing to do. Uh, that that is going to have some interesting impact, especially on Facebook, because mm-hmm. ultimately it's going to mess pretty thoroughly with their bottom line. Yes. But I think I'd rather mess with their bottom line than my democracy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. I think we would all rather uh, rather do that. Uh, Erica Hobbs, uh, the News Literacy Project focuses on training young minds to consume news responsibly. Uh, talk about how that affa- how this, this sort of proliferation of fake news and the idea of fake news uh, changes the way that you talk about this with, with young people.
2: Right. So the conversation for us has changed quite a bit. I've been with the News Literacy Project for two years, and when I first started, and we did look a lot at viral content, but fake news has just sort of overwhelmed students and teachers and, and classrooms. And so, what we're finding out that we're doing now is we're teaching a lot more about the how-to. So, how to spot, how to dig deeper for information. Um, we didn't do that, and we did that a little bit before, but not quite so much.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, what do you hear from the young people that you're dealing with about uh, the 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 way that uh, they're sort of inundated with these things? I would imagine that that for them. Uh, it looks different than it did, for instance, when I was a teenager in the 1980s trying to sort of find my way through the same uh, questions about uh, how to be more informed, how to find out about things I was curious about. Uh, are their sensibilities different fundamentally because of the, the world that they live in, I guess?
2: Well, sure. I mean, I think the first difference is something that you just mentioned. So back when you and I were kids, we had to find the information. And today, the information is finding the kids, and yeah. it is sort of overwhelming. And there's there's mixed reaction, in, you know, depending on the age of the students that we're working with. So some just kind of give up. They're like, you know, we don't know what to believe, so we're not going to believe anything. And in some cases, depending on, on where we are, um, you know, there's genuine concern and sometimes even fear so, if we're looking at spreading rumors, for instance, about immigration, um, you know that's causing panic in some of the classrooms that we're dealing
0: with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phone to so join the conversation. We are talking about fake news, uh, what to do about it, what social media platforms ought to do about it, and what we as consumers ought to be doing to defend against fake news against the idea of spreading fake news, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to uh, Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Frank in Detroit. Frank, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Morning, Stephen. Hey, how are um, you? you know what? I have a problem with the uh, definition of fake news. Uh, it seems like what is the defin- what is the difference between fake news and propaganda and how do we find out you know when it, it it is a state a a nation who is pushing an agenda it would seem to me that facebook and organizations like that should be easily to be able to track that down and mark that some way for the consumer to know that this is being done by a state, and,
0: uh, and, and and Frank, you would draw a distinction between that and just uh, some random person making yeah. up a story.
3: Absolutely, random people have every right to say whatever the heck they want to say. A state does not have the right to come in. And influence a population. Yeah. that's that's my feelings on it. That's a really and,
0: uh, that's a really interesting that's a really interesting observation, uh, Frank, and a great question. Uh, I want to give Lee Wilkins a chance to to address that.
1: So, Frank, thank you very much because I think that there are some mechanical, or if you don't like the word mechanical, algorithmic things that both Facebook and Google can do. I think it's been reported in the news over the last couple of weeks that our national security service has been able to isolate. The IP addresses and from the places in Russia, and Crimea, Eastern Europe that were generating a lot of messages in such a way that they were automatically pasted on through, passed on through Facebook as if a person were passing them on. That is something that a computer can do, and a computer can spot way faster than most of us ordinary human beings. And. Facebook, at least as of this morning, has declined to say we are going to institute. We're gonna. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna develop our own algorithm that is gonna spot this stuff and flag it in pretty much real time, so that people will know that this message that pops up on my Facebook page isn't really from you know my best friend Charlize, you know down the street, right. but is masquerading as Charlize through an IP address. That is something that I think Facebook honestly could do. I think that we have the technology to do that now. And I'm discouraged that um, Zuckerberg, in the speech he gave yesterday, yeah. made no mention of any indication, corporate or otherwise, to take that on. That
0: they're actually going to do it, yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about fake news. And we want to continue to hear from you as well, 313 uh, on the phone. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Lee Wilkins, she's professor and chair of the Department of Communications at Wayne State University. Also, with us is Erica Hobbs, she is the News Literacy Project Communications Director and Program Manager in Chicago. We're talking about the idea of Fake news, the things that are disseminated that just are not true, especially on social media uh, these days. We're talking about how that is being used, maybe by foreign states, maybe by the Trump administration, manipulated uh, in a sense to sort of discredit uh, their political enemies. Uh, What do you think about the idea of fake news? What do you think about the idea of how to defend against it? Uh, join the conversation at three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Lee, I want to ask you about something that happened. Something else that happened this week that that I think raises similar questions to this. We saw uh, Facebook Live used to uh, a horrific end. Uh, somebody committed a murder uh, live on the internet. Uh, all of these tools, I feel like, open up possibilities for wonderful things and for terrible things. And I think it always raises the question about the role of the medium, right? So what's Facebook's responsibility when it comes to dealing with something like this? And what's their ability to deal with something like this, which is happening in real time?
1: Their responsibility is, I think, the same responsibility that any other media organization has. Already, Facebook is saying we're not a media organization. There are legal reasons for this. If they were to hire a group of human beings to monitor content, which is what I think this would require, unlike algorithms and bots to catch this sort of thing, you need a person with eyeballs on the screen. They become legally liable under current law for the harm that is caused if they don't catch it. That's the same legal liability that the free press has. And I think it's the same legal liability I have for my departmental website. Sure. So by refusing to hire people to look over this, by saying I'm not a media organization, I don't have those responsibilities. Facebook is saying, therefore, I'm not going to have to hire a whole bunch of folks. And my bottom line is going to continue to be rosy. The problem is that people are using and have used this medium for, hi, I'm going to commit suicide and I'm going to ask all my friends to watch. I'm going to essentially broadcast a murder. Uh, These things are the downside and they are the dark web in many, many ways. And I believe Facebook has a responsibility to do everything that it can to make sure that this platform is not used in these particular ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's go to Richard in Detroit. Richard, welcome to Detroit today.
4: Hi, good morning.
0: Uh
4: I just had a comment that uh, a few years ago, there was a lot of conversation about whether the media, newspapers, and news organizations would survive. And uh, many of those organizations kept their subscription fees and other uh, put up barriers to the millennium, the men, millennial, um, you know, generation who are used to free or, <laughs> yeah. or and so on. So they they left a, a gap there, so that now these these individuals, this generation, who are used to getting news and other things for free, just go out and they they pick up whatever is out there. I think ultimately we need something like a. Like a Wikipedia kind of service where people can fact check things on their own, sort of a a group thing.
0: Huh. That's a really interesting idea. The idea of of a gap, sort of created by uh, the, the inaccessibility or unpopularity, perhaps of. Uh, traditional news media on social media, and so young people find other things. Erica Hobbs uh, of the News Literacy t- Project, talk about how you uh, how you educate uh, young people to be critical about the sources they trust and find, and and then share with their friends. Mm-hmm. So
2: there's many layers to that approach. So we're finding that students. They don't understand different types of information, so we teach the basics, such as, you know, what is raw information, what is propaganda, what is news. And we also teach um, news judgment, right? What are the standards of quality journalism? And we use American journalism as the as the yardstick for that. Mm-hmm. We also talk about, for example, um, the First Amendment and why that's important and why it's important to have a free press in a democracy. And then we teach them about some newer things that nobody else is really talking about yet. We talk, you know, about viral content and about algorithms and about branded content. So we give students a broad base um, from which they can draw their critical thinking skills or develop their critical thinking skills and along the way we're giving them tip sheets you know on what to look for how to read beyond the headlines how to check for dates how to check for um author's bylines right. and, and things like that so that they can understand what um is valid and what is not
0: yeah yeah uh richard thank you very much for the provocative uh, insight there and the question uh, let's go to joel in port huron joel i've got about uh, two minutes left but quickly
3: Hey, good morning. Uh-huh. I just had a couple of comments um, regarding the Facebook and the Google thing. Uh-huh.
0: You
4: know, I, I look at it as it could also be a, a form of censorship if they start discerning what they consider to be fake news uh, versus real news. Sure. And on the flip side of that, you know, you've got to look at our mainstream media also. Uh, Bloomberg just the other day had an article that they had to retract, say, stating that North Korea launched a projectile. So. How do you discern what's fake news versus what supposedly is real news? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great.
0: That's a great question, uh, Joel. Uh, we've got about a minute left, Lee Wilkins. That's not nearly enough to address everything in, in Joel's question. But talk about that—that that gap that the traditional media have created for themselves in some ways.
1: Joel's right. It's news when somebody can come along and retract it and say we made a mistake that doesn't happen to fake news and it certainly doesn't happen with propaganda. In fact, the goal of propaganda is to make sure that there are no mistakes, that it's 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 really seamless, that that's all the messaging you get. The other piece of it is that we talk about the mainstream news media, or at least that's what I inferred, the legacy news media. And One of the things that we know is that subscription rates for online news content for some news organizations are climbing radically. I think that's thanks to fake news and Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lee Wilkins, professor and chair of the Department of Communications at Wayne State University. Eric Hobbs, News Literacy Project Communications Director and Program Manager in Chicago. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. That's going to do it for me. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. We will see you tomorrow.